Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. We hope you enjoy today's message. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. Glad you're here. Glad you're ready to worship this morning. We are in the middle of the People series. Steve is is taking off to Texas this weekend. He's or this earlier this week. He's down there with Jonathan uh, and some buddies of his, kind of a graduation senior trip. And so they're having a great time. Woodrow, uh, I wonder if you're listening, man. You can listen to two messages. You gonna go be with those boys? What's up, man? But uh, Steve, you're out there. Glad glad you're checking in, man. Um, we're as I said, we're in the middle of the People series, which is. Uh, it's, it's basically where we are um, saying to church members, anyone out there, you know, what, what's something that you think you'd like to hear your church teach on? We may not get to every single thing, but you can text in. That text line is always open, 970-717-0087. It should also be in the description below uh, uh, on the YouTube link here. But you can text questions to that input. You can engage with us today. We're at the end of, end of the message. We're going to bring some folks up and just kind of engage online community. And uh, whether that's questions or input and share your, your uh, we want, we're, you're with us. We're all together in this. So that'll be at the end of the message. Text into that if you want. Uh, the People Series, we, this week is uh, a question that came from a friend who uh, went to church here, was saved here in Aspen, and, uh, and had fellowship and discipleship here at Crossroads, and moved out of town. And uh, I'm going to try not to use her name this service. Uh, her name is Ruby, right? So I've named her Ruby, because that's my grandmother. That's my grandmother, my mom's side name. I thought I love that name. So uh, I'm going to call this person who wrote this uh, question in Ruby. And I'll read this for us. I'm going to put this on the screen this morning. Check this out. Um, here we go. May 1st, this was uh, mailed in May 1st, by the way, and uh, subject questions for the People series. Here we go. I have a question. How do you know if and when Christian community is toxic? What are some telltale signs, and what should you do about it? When is it a good time to let go of a Christian friend? And she explains here, at my home church, I believe the spirit is alive there at times, but I feel a sense of judgment. There's a sense of, if you aren't out in the field doing something dangerous in the name of Jesus, you aren't a good enough Christian. I also feel everyone is so afraid to say the wrong thing that nobody at church and Bible study is saying much at all. Leaders, we should watch out for that. Uh, I often come out of the church or community groups or time with this friend questioning myself and my level of faith. I am eager to grow in the faith, but I am nervous that over time this environment could take me backwards in my faith. Wow, what a great question, Ruby. Uh, anybody relate to that? That's, um, you know, that we're all in relationships. We all have relationships, and they're not all easy. They're all different levels. And so this is how we progress in God's community, as a matter of fact. And she's talking about Christian relationships. So uh, what I want to do today is just kind of walk through um, uh, some things for us to, to learn to identify so that we can identify some of these relationships and, and what you may hope to hear today may or may not be what, what you hear, but I just want to uh, lay these things out for, that, for us so that we can have this conversation, so that we can look to God's Word and find counsel and direction. Um, I do want to say this, so relationships 
I'm going to put this up here. Relationships, uh, I added a fourth category to this, but I didn't want to uh, spend much time on it because it really doesn't need much time maybe. Relationships come in, in three different forms, maybe four. Maybe the first instead of counsel is uh, casual. Okay, it's just acquaintance, people we meet, people we see, people we might know um, a little bit or don't know. Uh, that's a casual relationship. Uh, and then counsel, in a, in a relationship where there's counsel, uh, and, and, and by the way, I'm not talking about counsel necessarily that, hey, I've got this serious thing in my life and I need your advice. I'm talking about uh, even much subtler things like that, like just the relationships that we keep and the company that we keep. That's sort of an unconscious counsel for us because there's kind of a baseline of behavior in any, any community that we're in. And to go below that or well above that uh, can sometimes, uh, I mean, just inherently, that can sometimes come with some pushback, right? This, this community that has these kinds of norms and you step outside of that. Uh, so the next level of that might be conviction. Maybe I'm, And maybe that's conviction in a good way. Um, maybe that's not conviction in a good way, and then condemnation. Uh, and so we want, we want to make sure that we're not jumping the gun on these things, but we also want to know, I, I think, what is the power of relationship? And there's a great power in relationship that God has designed for us in being a part of the family and a part of his church. And, uh, and he, he even says in his word that wisdom calls aloud on the street corner. There are some people that you or I may not expect to give you um, some input or insight about life, but that can happen and often does. Um, I want to look at the council for just a, a, a minute. Uh, as I mentioned, council can come in many different forms. There's sort of an unconscious council. There can be a, a sort of a discussion council. There can be direct council. And uh, there are a couple of old sayings that I've heard that you're the average of the five people closest to you. Have you ever heard that? You're the average of the five people closest to you. Another one is, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, uh, and these are just kind of sayings, but I want to show you some things from God's Word that, that, uh, that show there's, some, there's, some, there's something behind this. Look at this from Psalm 1. From Psalm 1, uh, the first three verses, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the one who's in delight his delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Wow, what a wonderful, wonderful promise. But look at these first three lines here. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Now, when you look at these first three, three words, I think I underlined them in that slide who does not walk. When we walk with somebody, we see someone on the street corner, we pass them by, we might say hello, we might have a quick, quick conversation, but if, if we walk with them, that's kind of that's casual. If we tell them to stop, hey, or they stop us, man, you know, you just, some people, you just walk right up to them and you stop. And you stand. The one who stands in the way of sinners. Whoever, whomever we stand with, that relationship gets a little more intimate, doesn't it? We have more conversation, find out what they're up to, how they're going, encourage them, see, see what's going on in their life. And then when we sit with someone in this third verse, 
or sit in the company of mockers. And this goes not just for the company of mockers, but anyone we sit with. You can think about it maybe like the, the people we sit with most may be those that are closest to us. There certainly may be scenarios where that's not true, but, but you know, we sit with our family. We sit at, our, at the dinner table. We have lunch. Uh, we sit with our family. We sit with our coworkers. You know, the people we actually sit with, that's where the relationship gets even more intimate, isn't it? I'll show you this proverb. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. I think for our relationships, at some point we have to ask ourselves, how are those relationships influencing us? And how are they encouraging us or discouraging us? What are they leading us to? Again, show me your friends, I'll show you future. We're the average of the five people closest to us. If we, if we begin to think about that with regard to the power of community in God's church, man, there, there should be some things that are leading us in good directions and, and not negative directions. Uh, back to Ruby's question, how do we identify uh, toxic relationships? All right, relationships are casual, then, then they're in the form of counsel, they're in the form of conviction and condemnation. Now, relationships can oftentimes oscillate or vacillate between healthy counsel and conviction and condemnation, can't they? Uh, we've all done it. We, we judge someone quickly or we've been judged quickly. And, and then that, even, even from a well-meaning Christian, even with the Bible in their hand, I mean, this is what the enemy did when he led Jesus into the desert. Uh, he used the word and manipulated the word to try and counsel Jesus. Ever had a friend do that? And, and we've also probably uh, surely uh, been the uh, distributor of that or, or the demonstrator of that. But look at this proverb from Proverbs 26. Sending a message by the hands of a fool is like cutting off one's feet or drinking poison. Like the useless legs of one who is lame is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. We have, to, we have to discern what kind of input we're getting in these relationships. Here's a few more. Look at this. Proverbs 13.10. Pride only brings quarrels, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. And from Colossians. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths, but only... Such, it, such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Amen, church? Um, I want to show you just a few of these. Uh, I'm going to put some of these verses up here, and I would also add to that the first part of Romans. There's so many uh, as you move through Scripture. The Proverbs are an amazing place for kind of a measure of how our relationships are going. You read through Proverbs and you just see this in inherent quality within those Proverbs that, that as we relate to one another and as we encourage one another, there, there's a spirit in that that is, is not with condemnation but with care and with love for one another. And it doesn't mean that some of those things might not be hard in relationship. Just take marriage, for example. When we, when we get married, we progress into marriage, boy, it's easy to begin to point out the shortcomings of the other one, isn't it? 
man, we'll we'll just see them just as plain as day. But what's happening in that, as we know, and why it's so frustrating, is that our own shortcomings are being reflected back to us, and, and we have to deal with those. So not all relationships should just be, you know, casual and just beautiful and simple and kind. That's not the point. There's a health in Christian relationship that, that can be challenging, but how we deal with that is very important. So um, let's dive into this topic more precisely and with regard to this question, how do we identify, how to identify possible toxic relationships? Um, now look, I don't pro- proclaim to be uh, some expert in this field. I'm not. Um, uh, I want to tell you kind of where I'm gathering and how I'm constructing this message today. Um, there's so much in the Word. My goodness, so the Scriptures are, are, are our first. That's our foundation. And the way Christ lived and the way the Spirit reminds us of that and leads us into His truth. The Bible is our foundation. And so we're going to share a lot of Scripture today. Uh, also some resources from Focus on the Family over in Colorado Springs. Jim Daly, the president of Focus, was over here in the fall. Uh, we hope he comes back. Just a, uh, great to be with him. Um, also, Dan, Dan Kale at Trailhead uh, Christian Counseling. He was an elder here at the church and is now an elder down at uh, Crossroads in Glenwood. Uh, also, from Psychology Today, Christianity Today, uh, a group that Dan Kale turned me on to called NUMA. It's a Christian mental health services in Louisiana and Portland, Oregon. And also the author, Gary Thomas, who wrote the book Sacred Marriage. It's a beautiful book about marriage, just amazing. Uh, been out a long time. Gary also wrote another book. Well, he wrote several books, but this one that he's released recently is called, uh, this is one of my resources today, When to, when to Walk Away. Um, by the way, that shouldn't be expected to follow up with sacred marriage, okay? So When to Walk Away, Finding Freedom from Toxic People. Uh, this is a great book, and uh, what I wanted to do is, is I, I, I don't want to just go on the internet and search and find some stuff that, that, that you know, or even scriptures that, that I can go find on the internet, but how do these things, where do these things coalesce? Where, do, where does scripture and, and these other folks uh, and these organizations who are, who are trying to find the truth of these situations, where do they overlap? And what is the common denominator? One other resource I forgot to mention is Dr. Robert Rice and, uh, and his wife, Marion, down in Little Rock, Arkansas. got to know them a couple years ago um, uh, through Charles Bark. They were longtime, lifetime friends of Charles Bark. And uh, Dr. Rice has a clinic in Little Rock, Arkansas called the Rice Clinic. It is a, a Christian organization, uh, everyone on staff there. And here's their mission statement. The Rice Clinic is a Christian-based mental health clinic that helps individuals and families cope with difficulties and challenges. Our team of therapists, psychologists, psychiatric nurse nurse practitioners, and psychiatrists integrate biblical principles with psychological and medical resources to provide the very finest in health care. And uh, they've been doing that since 1988. And uh, just uh, a a great man and his wife, uh, Marion, who are, they've been ministering to people in just close relationships and client relationships and church relationships for, oh my goodness, uh, how many years? A lot of years, over 30 years. They've been married for 46 years. They have five kids, 16 grandkids. And I got to talk with Dr. Rice this week, this week and at length, he and his wife, his wife got on the phone with me as well. And, uh, and we just had a great time. Uh, so this is kind of where these resources are coming from and this message is coming from. Scripture, our foundation and how we're to behave. I'm going to share some things from uh, Ephesians 4 
And uh, uh, so anyway, I'm going to walk through these things, kind of where they coalesce with how to identify toxic relationships. So to get to that question, how do we identify toxic relationships? Let's start here. Uh, Avoid the gossip. Avoid the gossip. This quote by Eleanor Roosevelt says it all. Great minds discuss ideas. Average ones discuss events. And small minds discuss people. Do, Do you relate to that? I mean, have you been a part of that? Gosh. Ah. That's, that's self-explanatory. If you're in the company of someone who all they ever do is talk about someone, um, especially negatively, uh, you can bet before too long they're going to be talking about you the same way. Um, so be, be careful with these folks. Second, how do we identify toxic relationships? The temperamental. Temperamental individuals have little to no control over their emotions. They will lash out at you and become very angry with you, all the while imagining that you're the one causing the chaos. Right? Pretty self-explanatory. And if you want to take a snapshot of these, by all means do. I'm I'm not going to leave them up there super long. We'll just read through them. Uh, The victim. The victim. Victims are tough to identify at first because you initially empathize with their problems. But as time passes, you begin to realize that their time of need is all the time. It's now, always. Victims actively, listen to this carefully, victims actively push away any personal responsibility by making even simple, challenging situations into insurmountable obstacles. You ever been in a community and you got something to do, you got something to accomplish, and and boy, there's someone that's focused on the problem, not the vision. And it's good to have all these kinds of people. And this is a healthy, there's something healthy about, there's a scripture, there's a proverb that says, with many counselors, plans succeed. So we need each other. But the victim goes a step further. Man, they're not taking any responsibility. There's always something that is the problem. Okay, the self-absorbed. Here's the next one. The self-absorbed, nothing you ever say or do is enough in this relationship. They never or rarely affirm others, or maybe rarely affirm a specific person. They have difficulty acknowledging someone else's accomplishment. They can have really negative patterns of thinking. They have a deep need to be right, and if you don't agree with them, they will usually become angry or very frustrated, or both. Are you seeing any patterns? I won't look at the camera or look you in the eye. Are you seeing any patterns in these? The know-it-all, check this out. The know-it-all. They will not hear or listen to advice. Listen, if you are only accepted when you're saying yes, it's probably time to say no to that relationship. (laughs) Think about it. If you're only listened to when you agree... It may be time to step away from that relationship. Okay, with me? Okay, no, they're not participating, man. They're not participating in this mutual reciprocal exchange of, of love and grace and challenge and hard things. And they're, you know, they can't even ever seem to just take a breath and say, you know, you're right. What's next? Never taking ownership. Slippery when wet. 
No one always owns their mistakes. Some mistakes we don't even know, right? Somebody come, somebody come to us, we're offended. Uh, we're offended by something we did or said. We didn't even know it. Um, there's our opportunity. But if we never take ownership, if we never take ownership, it turns the relationship one-sided. Ownership, reconciliation, and forgiveness are necessary things in a growing and thriving relationship. If someone never owns their mistakes, they are not learning, expanding, growing. When someone repeatedly refuses to take ownership, this makes a relationship toxic. Okay, the controlling. The controlling. And this is how it starts. You can be tipped off to this by this first sentence. You begin to avoid things saying things you feel to this person because there's just no point. If your attempts to talk about your ideas, your needs, and or observations repeatedly end in a fight, anger, accusations, and or defensiveness, two things will happen. You will either bury that need and or resent that it keeps being overlooked or both. Either way, it's toxic. Anybody have that experience? Don't raise your hand. Passive-aggressive behavior. Okay. The last one here. Passive-aggressive behavior. Passive-aggressive behavior is an indirect attack and a subtle, oh so subtle, move for control. The toxicity of of passive-aggressive behavior lies in two things. Number one, the stealing of your capacity to respond. Number two, the prevention of or avoidance of issues being dealt with directly, okay? Probably the simplest form of passive-aggressive is, okay, fine, right? We're having a conversation, and somebody just goes, okay, fine. They want out. They don't want to talk anymore. Um, They're they're not saying anything. There's no more communication, and it can happen in a a thousand different uh, scenarios, but passive-aggressive behavior is that subtle attempt to gain control or to use that situation to get back at you so that you know, you know that, that, that they're angry, but it's not something you can deal with and talk about directly. All right, so these are just some ways, some things to look out for. This is not an all-airtight list. Um, you know, we could, put, we could put Scripture verses on the end of every one of those statements too, um, and, and if you took photos of them, it might be good to think biblically through that and like, Lord, yeah, is this something that, that uh, I should not participate in? If that's something that's in me, for example, uh, or if that's something that's in my relationship with this person or this community. Um, so how do we recognize those things? Those are just some simple ways to do that. Um, also, now, and please, please, please don't, don't assume or jump to conclusions that every difficult relationship or encounter or engagement is toxic. It's not. I can promise you it's not. When, when, when there, it is there sometimes, but when healthy relationship, just communication, for example, and people disagree, uh, we have to work that out. And, and there are ways inherent in Scripture that we, we do within 
uh, our emotions toward each other and our grace and love toward each other to work those things out, to keep it from becoming condemnation. If it's healthy in the area of counsel and conviction and understanding, you know, and unity, that's one thing. But, you know, you have to be very careful that we don't just say, you know what, that's toxic because one of those things was true of one conversation I had with so-and-so. Um, that, that, that's probably a, a little premature. We'll talk about some other things later, just how to, um, you know, how to get counsel on that. Okay, so now what do we do? What do we do? In my conversation with Dr. Rice and, and his sweet wife, Marion, this week, we, um, they talked through this. They've been doing this for years, and, and they have this simple ac- acronym called HAD, H-A-D. Okay, here it is, H-A-D, had, be honest, and we have to start there being honest with ourself, we have to start there with being honest with God and with our community, Uh, maybe it's with this person or maybe it's with someone else, Um, but we have to be honest and seek the counsel, I mean the Holy Spirit is our counselor and he's always going to speak to us, Uh, it may not be exactly what we want to hear very often, but the Lord is, is not slow in keeping his promises. And he says that we can learn and know his pleasing and perfect will. And so we have to be honest with God. We have to be honest as we think through these things uh, with scripture and truth and the spirit of God before we go racing down the road to be assertive. Make sense? The next one, assertive. Uh, now, assertive is not aggressive. Um, you know, there's, a, there's some, some reason there's a, there's a terrible temptation in any relationship to, to reflect exactly what that person is giving us, especially when it comes to difficult relationships. Um, somebody says something difficult or challenging or even harmful, and our response is quickly, well, you, you know, and, and we're quick to point the blame back on them. So it's not aggressive. It's just being assertive and clear and not passive-aggressive, but pursuing this person. Matthew 18 tells us to go and pursue each other. If someone feels like someone's offended us, to go to that person and talk to them. What do we do most of the time? We go to another person and talk to them. It is right there in God's Word. We'll save ourselves hours, days, months, or years if we go to that person uh, full of the Spirit to say, Lord, you know, show me how I can resolve this. Uh, Dr. Rice said, Marion said that, and this is very interesting, we're talking about the truth in love and speaking the truth in love from Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 15. Um, The truth in love, and I think I've even made this mistake sometimes, thinking that verse says the truth and love. Just because, you know, you read it quickly, whatever, the truth and love. No, 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 no. There is a huge difference. Or the truth with love. Yeah, yeah, the truth, you know that verse, speak the truth with love. You know, a little love. You know, whatever the hard thing you've got to say, at least tell them at the end you love them. No, 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 no. It's truth in love. Love in this verse is the reservoir. Okay, that's a conjunction that means something in the Greek language. That's a conjunction to say this truth is carried in love. And think about our Lord Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And thank the Father that the Son came. Here's the reservoir that brings us the way, the truth, and the life. It's within him. It's not separate. And when we go to someone this way, we have to go to them 
in this reservoir of love. This has to be carried in the reservoir of love. Does that make sense? So important. That's just so important. Kindness, his kindness leads us to repentance. You've all done it. I've done it more than you. I go to someone, I'm going to show them the error of their ways, and I'm angry. And I'm pointing a finger. Man, they don't respond to that. They, you know that. They don't respond to that. So his kindness leads us to repentance. There's something inherent or that should be inherent in our faith and in our relationships that makes this communication accessible and easier. And the, three, the third letter, D, be direct. Be direct. We, we, again, we shouldn't jump to conclusions, but there does come times when we have to hold people, friends, loved ones, uh, accountable. Um, Matthew 18, again, if someone's wronged you, go to them, go to them. The, again, that's, that, there's an expectation in Matthew 18 that there's an inherent relationship there that's built on the foundation of Christ and him being the reservoir of the love, the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. There's an inherent uh, aspect in that relationship that's going to make that possible. In Matthew 18, if you want to read it, it gives us further instruction if they don't listen to you. Uh, go, go talk to someone else. Get some other counsel. Not with gossip, but go talk to someone else for counsel. And be ready to listen when we go for counsel. Okay? All right. And when, the, the other question, when, is, is it okay to walk away from a Christian friend? Is it okay to walk away from a Christian friend? Uh, Dr. Rice said this. He talked about the aspect of forgiveness in these things. And sometimes we think when there's damaging communication in a relationship or just a damaged relationship, we think, you know what? We, we can forgive them and we're going to move on. And Dr. Rice said, I have seen people, I'll use his words, I see people who say they have forgiven that person, but they are carrying an abscess in their heart for the rest of their lives. You see, this person who's harmed you, they may never ask for forgiveness. They may never ask for forgiveness. You feel justified, they don't feel that they owe you an apology. So that's their justification. They may never ask for forgiveness. Jesus is on the cross, they're torturing him. He's going to die in a few hours. He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can you and I pray that? That no one said, hey, you know, just a little longer and you'll be dead. I'm so sorry. Do you know? No one apologizes. And Jesus says, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, forgiveness can happen in your heart regardless of what's happening. You don't need permission from this other person to forgive them and move on. And if you think about that from Christ's perspective, if we can, if we can get there, we know we're a broken people. We know we have bad foundations and paradigms that are not in keeping and in parallel with the truth. And so if there's broken relationship, it's usually the result of sin. And we have to see that in a way that allows us, allows grace to come to the surface for us. And you know what? I know I too have done things where I've not asked for forgiveness. God, I don't want to hold some measure over someone else's head, but I don't want to hold it over, over my own. So I think it's important, and, and, and Dr. Rice of course, we're sharing about this, that forgiveness, how do we walk away? That's one of the ways we can walk away. And by the way, this book by um, Gary Thomas, When to Walk Away, 
he goes through uh, 41 examples within the Gospels uh, of where Jesus walked away from people, okay? And these relationships, some of them were very toxic. But he walked away, and I would encourage you, you know, you go and read the Gospels with that in mind. You're not looking for ways. We shouldn't be looking for ways to justify our own action, again, and jump into conclusions. But, yeah, there's a time to walk away. Uh, I think we'll have some more conversation, too, because some relationship questions came up at the end that we'll discuss. Uh, if you want to text through, if you've got uh, input or, or things you want us to talk about, you can text through at 970-717-0087. And at the end here, we're going to bring up Bryant and Becca and Mike and Kathy and just have some conversation uh, about online engagement. Um, all right, this is a heavy subject. I'm, 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 uh, yeah, so I'll tell you a joke. Ready? All right, so a guy goes to the doctor. A husband goes to the doctor. He says, uh, hey, doc, I think my wife uh, is losing her hearing. Doc says, really, why? He says, well, you know, man, she, she can't hear me. It's getting worse and worse. You know, she can't hear me when I'm far away from her, close to her. I mean, it's amazing. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you just, you know, go home and ask her a question from some distance, uh, maybe, you know, a couple rooms away, and, and uh, if she doesn't hear you, move a little closer, say the same thing. If she doesn't hear you, move a little closer, and then, you know, let me know when, when, how far you get away before she hears you, and then that'll give us some indication. The husband goes, great, I can do that. Goes home that night. He's a couple rooms away. I'm all right. He goes, hey, uh, hey honey, what you doing? She's in the next room, no reply. Moves closer, halfway there to the doorway, same room now. Hey, honey, what you doing? She doesn't say a word. He moves right up to her, four and a half feet away, just by her shoulder, goes, hey, honey, what you doing? She turns around and says, for the third time, I'm making dinner. <laughs> All right? It's not always about the other person, is it? It's not always about the other person. And listen, if you're listening to this message for someone else, turn it off. We'll play Eric Clapton before you accuse me while you turn it off. You know the one? Um, all right. So, but really, it's not always about the other person. We all have these habits because of sin in us. And, and there's, there's a refinement going on. I mean, man, if we're under the authority of God and we're moving with him in faith, there is always a refinement going on that pushes against us, right? Uh, I, I mentioned in the first service a, a, a message by Erwin McManus. I can't remember what the question was, but, but he, he taught a message back in February. He's a, a pastor out in California. And the name of the message was um, Elevate Your Life how to elevate your life, how to find those who will elevate you, how to find relationships that will elevate you. And he confesses, if you want to watch this online, he confesses right up front. He goes, you know, he goes, I was getting all excited. I was going to, you know, help, help, you know, God's church find the people that elevate them. And he said, I realized I was, I was playing right into the cultural narcissism that is all about us, that it is all about us. And he says passionately, he goes, I don't, want to find, I don't want to help you find people to elevate you. I want to help you become the person who elevates others. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to listen to this, I think. We have to take this encouragement with, with uh, examination of our own heart and within our own life. Um, 
I'll tell you what, I had two lists I was going to close with and, and, uh, or come close to closing with. I, and, and one I threw out. I had these two lists and gathering, just thinking and praying about this information. And one was, hey, you know, if you want some little red or yellow flags that could be raised to help us know when we're participating in, in that kind of condemnation or that toxic, those toxic relational behaviors, here they are. I made a whole list, but I threw it out because I want to share the list with you that, that hey, these are some things that if we find ourselves frequently doing these things or behaving in these certain ways or maybe even saying these things or things like these, um, maybe those are little green flags that, that help us know we're headed in the right direction. Uh, we're, we're living in a way in relationship that God is hoping for us, where we can build someone up, where we can draw something out of someone and we're not putting bricks in the wall. So, uh, so here you go. Here is a, a list of a few things that that help us uh, healthy relational habits. Okay, using kindness as a bridge builder. And I already mentioned it. When I go to, if I go to someone and I'm going to show them the error of their ways, it doesn't matter who it is, I go to show them the error of their ways. If I go to that with anger, I'm not building a bridge. Man, I'm not building a bridge. I'm, I'm so caught up in my frustration, my anger, I just want this problem solved. But using kindness as a bridge builder, okay, Number two, this is all over scripture, responding positively and or patiently to challenging counsel. Okay. Oh, that should be counsel with an E. <laughs> S-E, thank you. Kathy, counsel with, a, with an E. All over the Proverbs, it's unbelievable. I dare you to go and read the Proverbs and say, Lord, teach me. Dare you to do that. Uh, okay, number three, owning your mistakes. Boy, if we're quick... Uh, to own our mistakes and, uh, and, and, and you know, ask for forgiveness or, or move into that, that, that's a sure sign that, that, that we're in a humble position. Affirming the ideas of others. There is a person out there in the community, and I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but you all know who this is. We all know this kind of person is what I mean. They're a natural contrarian. Any... A nat, you know what I'm saying? A natural contrarian. Anything you say. Man, if they ask you the time, you're like, it's 4.15. They're like, it's 4.14. It's like, are you serious? And, in, and it gets completely worse from there. They can't, that person can't assimilate the ideas of others. And we don't want to be that person. Boy, we want to affirm the ideas of others. We want to think and consider about the, or consider the ideas of others. Giving credit. Giving others credit. There's a proverb that says, uh, is this in Proverbs? can't remember. Let another man praise you. I don't think it is. But let another man praise you, right? Well, put ourselves on the other side of that. Who are we praising? Who are we watching for to have successes? Some of us sit around all day waiting for somebody to pat us on the back. We did something, oh, that person should have seen. That person should have seen. Boy, give others credit. Move with the Spirit of God and, and watch what that does. These things, these things unleash things in our lives that we can't quantify or comprehend. All right? I am telling you truth from Scripture. With the measure you use, it'll, me it'll be measured to you. Ooh. Wait, who said that? <laughs> with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Okay. 
and, and, and things like this, maybe say things like this, and I'm sharing a little private personal list here in some cases, um, some of these things I want to hear myself saying, and I say to Jen, you know, you're right. Listen, when we're in conversation, a lot of times we're just waiting for that person to finish talking so we can say what we're thinking. I'm so guilty of it. Why don't we... Oh, i got to say this too. Man, they're talking. I'm not even listening. Wait, they're making a point. We're in communication. We're in relationship. Use, use that phrase. Write this down. Take a snapshot. You know you're right. Watch for opportunities to use it, and it'll slow your thinking down this much so the Spirit of God can act on you. Okay? That's good insight. You know? Just acknowledging what others are saying. How about this? Related to the earlier one, owning our, own, owning our mistakes. I'm sorry I responded that way. I'm sorry I responded that way. Listen, sometimes it's not about what you said. You may have said the right thing, maybe. But it certainly wasn't with the right spirit. I'm sorry I responded that way. That's not who I want to be. There's another one. And this other one, slash, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. Now, some of you just wrote down, I'm sorry you feel that way. That's a whole different statement. Sometimes that can be passive-aggressive. No, I'm sorry I made you feel that way. That's not what I wanted to do. But if you just say, I'm sorry you feel that way, right? You with me? I'm digging into some marriage relationships now. Um, Thank you, you're right. Thank you, you're right. Boy, I, I have learned to say thank you to Jen when she gives me input that I know is good and right, you know? Thank you, you're right. In fact, it happened two nights ago. We were having this conversation. It was a pretty important conversation. And we were debating this thing, not angrily. We were talking about this thing and going back and forth. And, uh, and she made this one comment at the end. And I was kind of actually leaning the other way. And she made this one comment at the end. And, and when I heard it, I went, oh, you know you're right. Or thank you. I can't remember what I said, but I said, you're right. I said, you're right. We... We, 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 can't, we can't do that. It was about, you know, a child relationship. One of our children, we were going to give them some input, and we were kind of walking down that road. But Jen gave this input, and I was like, you're right. Um, that's really good input. Uh, hey, how about this? I need your help. All right, I need some advice. Because there's something that needs to happen before we say that. I really must feel that I need some advice. And God can make that super powerful. If you sit back a little bit and go, Lord, I I need some advice. It might come from his word. It might come from revelation of the spirit. It might come from the counsel of a friend. But you go to that friend uh, with this kind of attitude. Hey, man, I I could use your help with something. I need need your help. I need your insight. I, I need some advice. Those are great things to say because it sort of asks you, do I feel that or not? I don't need advice. Man, I got to figure it out. I don't need advice on this. I know what's the right thing to do. You know, we'll jump to conclusions there. All right. So I hope that's helpful. Um, These things are hard. Very, very hard. Um, God is doing something in us to make us into his likeness. He's fashioning us transforming us into his likeness. I want to close with a quote from C.S. Lewis. I should have put this on the screen. It's, it's, it's in Mere Christianity, one of my favorite books. I think that was the first book I read as a Christian, and I still go back to it. Um, listen to this, church. 
Um, wow. C.S. Lewis, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping leaks in the roof here and there and so on. You knew those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking this house about in a way that hurts abominably. It does not seem to make any sense to you. What on earth is God up to? The explanation is that he is building a quite different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. And he intends to come and live in it himself. Oh my, come on Lord, forgive me. May we participate with you in your work, oh God. God, give us wisdom, give us insight. Remind us of your truth. Let your spirit speak into our lives. Hmm. We need you desperately, Lord, to navigate this life, to navigate relationships in a way that honors you. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. We're going to, uh, Brian and Becca, if you guys want to come on up, I think over here, right? And Mike and Kathy, there's a mic over here. Um, we are going to engage some of the online community or, or maybe right here in the sanctuary. There are just a few of us. Um, basically, you know, with that, with that text number, 970-717-0087, uh, we want your engagement. We're going to respond to maybe a couple of inputs or questions or whatever that Brian's going to share with us. Thank you, Brian. Um, and we'll just respond from different perspectives. What do you got, yeah. man? And I just wanted to preface with uh, any text that you send in is completely anonymous. So, oh, very good. Uh, you know, if you want to te- text in, we don't know who you are. If you want us to know who you are, if it's a prayer request, by all means, share an name, uh, information. But when you're sending something in, it's anonymous. Um, so just want to let you guys know if you, you want to share. Um, first question uh, came in, and it is... Hold on, we have a list. It's great. Um is it ever okay to stay in a toxic relationship? Is it ever okay to stay in a toxic relationship? Is it ever okay to stay in a tox- toxic relationship? Huh. I wish, I wish I could say, what do you mean by that? But <laughs> uh, we can't. Is it ever okay? I mean, I, I, for me, and I want others to respond here. For me, the point is, is that truly toxic? And, and, is that a marriage? Is that a business relationship? The answer kind of, kind of morphs a little bit, but I'm going to go to marriage. Um, with marriage relationships, there are certainly things that are very difficult to deal with. That is addiction, uh, abuse, and adultery. Uh, those things are extremely difficult to deal with. Um, Certainly getting counsel from others. I mean, that's not a decision that's made on your own. Whether you're getting out or staying in, I think that's something where you're seeking wise biblical counsel. Um, Anybody else want to chime in on that? Business relationships. I mean, maybe that relationship is different. I don't know. No, I would just say, I think you were alluding to this a little bit, is that I would identify first if it's really toxic. Difficult doesn't mean toxic. Thank you. And I think... think, um, 
a lot of a lot of times today there's a lot of toxic relationships and difficult relationships out there and just defining the the difference you know and, and having other people like you said other other people come alongside you godly people come alongside you yeah. um to define that first and then obviously you know take it to the lord yeah. you know i think one of the things that we we said in the first service was just you know i've i've had a lot of wisdom from people that wasn't necessarily from the lord and man man is is is, is we're all fallible right mm-hmm. we're we're all fallible and our wisdom is not infinite like like the lord's and so we want to make sure we've heard from the lord i think any any time we're making a big big decision like leaving a relationship or a friendship or whatever it is yeah. that's something very important you know and marriage too you know obviously falls into that and um and so just I want to make sure if I'm leaving something, I want to make sure I've heard from the Lord clearly. And it's not a knee-jerk emotional reaction, but it's one that I have I have labored in prayer and I've gone before the Lord and I've heard from him and it's spirit led, it's not man led and it's not man's uh, you know other wisdom. And I'm not discarding, you know, uh, manly wisdom, but we all know the Lord's wisdom is is higher and his ways are greater than our ways. And so I want I want confirmation from him. Um before before I'm leaving a relationship or or something like that. Yeah, that's good, man. That's yeah, we good. got a fo- follow Any, up. Anybody else? You guys? Anything on that? Okay, we have more details, so maybe this will be helpful. Um, and it just is, and this might be applicable to many people, especially in Aspen. Um, basically, friendship. This friend walked away from a good Christian brother, went the ways of you know As- the Aspen can, uh, walked away just from a lot of stuff, um, but is now trying to reach back out, still making unhealthy decisions. So this Christian brother is kind of hmm. asking for advice. Like, how do you, st- yeah, how do you, yeah. Hmm. Right. Okay. So the person walked, walked away, uh, but now wants fellowship and friendship, intimacy again at some, at some level, but, but they're still not, they're still, still not, Making some poor life choices. Making good choices. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. Um, hmm. Who wants to take that? I'm a little confused who, which, who I'm responding to. The person who's making bad choices or the person who's walking away? Either or. But the okay. person who's texting in is the, is the Christian brother. The friend walked away yeah. making poor life choices. Wants to come back but still making poor life choices. I think this Christian brother is asking for insight and input and in how to hmm. maybe cultivate that relationship and, and speak Sounds like a truth in love, or yeah, to to walk away of toxicity, you know, kind of. Got it. Got it. Well, I think uh, Proverbs says to guard your heart, for from it is the wellspring of life. So we always have to be careful where we're being influenced, right? And so if that person is having an influential stronghold over the Christian friend, um, and the Christian friend doesn't have the accountability to not fall into that, or poor behavior, then I would say don't do it. But if if they feel like it's something they can walk alongside this person and they're willing to, you know, not tempt the other person or, you know, are they going to the bars and partying together or are they going to the park and like sharpening each other? And then I was talking to a gal the other day who was telling me she was upset with two of her friends that were not agreeing with her on something, holding her accountable to something. And I said, do you want yes friends or do you want friends who will hold you accountable to the word of God? And I think as believers, our cult, well, our, our culture tells us like we want cheerleaders around us and yes, it's always fun, but we also need the people around us God has given me an inner circle of women who will, who will literally 
hug me with discipline. Like, hey, I know, I believe you're, you mean well in this, but here's a little ounce of correction. And they're women that I know and trust and respect. And, and we have yeah. to have that as believers. Yeah. I, I mean, and Bryant does, you know, I don't always receive it well from my husband, but he's, he's good about pointing those things out too. But I just think that we have to be willing to receive a word of correction. Yeah. And then we also have to have friends who are willing to hear our hearts too in that, right? Like believe the best in me, Derek, when I tell you this, but here's something I'm seeing in you and, you know, understand I'm coming from a place where I just want the best for you, right? And not just take it, then take an offense and run with it and then start bashing that person or whatever it is. Because we see that all the time in this culture of this, you've offended me and now have this offense flag because you told me I was wrong, right? Yeah, totally. I think too that it's good to... Wait a minute, are you on there? No. I think that's 12. Okay. Um, In that scenario, if that person is genuinely wanting to come back into relationship, I think the Christian person, uh, the Christian brother or sister, can put some boundaries on that relationship to um, to just say, hey, I, I want relationship with you, but you need to know that I don't, endorse some of the things you're choosing to do. And I think you have to be very prayerful in how you even communicate that, but um, always willing to extend grace. Uh, But, you know, I think it comes actually from your reservoir of the knowledge of God's heart uh, from the word. And so I think it's an encouragement to us to be putting deposits in the bank of knowing God's heart through his word so that we can withdraw what we need in a relationship like that. Um, But there has to be a lot of prayer in that. And I don't know. I feel like the Lord has said to me sometimes, pray, don't say, until uh, until the opportunity arises. So if that person is moving back towards you, then you don't want to push them away. It, but you've got to be careful. And I think some good boundaries are yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let me, I just want to say one thing to that too. As you guys were talking, and that, that, was, that was awesome. Um, I think we've got to be reminded that, that we're not the savior, you know? And I think sometimes we want to get into relationships or get into things and, and come in as a savior and bring bring advice that's going to transform. There's only one one person that transforms as God, right? And his spirit that transforms. And, and sometimes we seem to be aware of that, you know, that I'm not coming in trying to be, be the savior. Um, but also, you know, one of the things that I use as a principle in this approach, and it sounds like this person might be a little bit convicted by the way they handled it the last time. The beautiful thing about this is that it's a twofold approach that God does on this and it, it, it repairs damage in both hearts, you know? And so they say a lot of times I, Matthew seven, you know, says, Hey, why do you want to fix this, the speck in your brother's eye without fixing, addressing the log in your own? And so I'll, I'll take something like that and say, well, mate, did I handle that right the last time? And so maybe there's a, some work God wants to do in my heart, you know, before I even go there. And so it's a, it's a great opportunity for both hearts to be, to be addressed and healed. All right. And then, then, then maybe my approach and going in is a lot different, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm coming in with a repentant and forgiving heart mm. and saying, look, I, I really messed up the way I handled this last time or whatever. And that's just a very, you know, 30,000 foot view, but there could be something else like you're dealing with anger, you know, in, in an individual, but 
I, I first must say, look, do I have anger? Am I dealing with anger, Lord, before I go and point this out in my brother's eye? You know, yeah. Point this out in my brother? You know, do I have those issues? Because sometimes the Lord might be revealing that in me, um, and I'm sitting here looking through a lens of hell as somebody else. You know, and so mm-hmm. I think it's a great twofold um, approach to the gospel and how we how yeah. we address yeah. Um, issues. Yeah, and I would also I also think about the ministry of reconciliation uh, that we're called to. And if that person is coming back and saying, uh, "Hey, look, you know, I know that I've done some things that that put you in a really bad situ- bad place, or I've, I've, you know, whatever whatever it is," if that person takes ownership in that, you know, that may be some, that may be an indication if that relationship is going to be nurtured and healthy again. And you can also talk about it with regard to, to where we're going, not necessarily where we've been. Uh, I've not seen a lot of couples renew things by talking about the past. We have to talk about the past, and we do, but where do we want to go? How, how do we want to renew? How do we want to, what's, what's our, our hope for the future? And I think that person could just say, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, we haven't spent time together in a year or so, and Man, I'm trying to spend more time uh, doing this or these kinds of things, and and you know I don't I don't ride my bike twice a day anymore or whatever it may be. I don't know what it is, but um, you know where 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 does that person want to go now? Well, I think too on this topic is um, so so critical for the body of Christ is that we're not going in just based on an opinion. You know, this is something that must be spirit led. Yeah. You know, and because we, we're living in an age where everybody is highly opinionated, right? I mean, just look at our culture and our nation. Everybody's reacting based on opinion and, other, and, and emotion, high emotion. Um, man, it was just, somebody said, I think Kathy said this, labor and prayer, you know? Yeah. Um, labor and prayer and make sure the Spirit is leading you to do something. You know, it's conviction, yeah. you know, because conviction and condemnation can almost come across the same, you know, to a yeah. person who's not right. seeing it right. 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 And so a lot of times conviction, and we talked about this in the first service about admonishment, is, is such a critical piece in the, in the body of Christ and someone in the body of growing. And if I'm not admonishing one another, you know, if there's no admonishment in my life, if, if nobody, like Becca said, is coming that can admonish me and I receive it, then I'm not growing at all. Yeah. And, and I think we've kind of thrown admonishment out in the church for this fluffy side of things. But, but I'm going to see somebody in here today that I love, uh, Momo, I'm going to call you out. She, she does not hesitate to admonish and, and out of love, you know, and we, as a motherly, a motherly love. I just want to call that out because it's so, so important for the body to have, have that. Yeah, it was and formative if we, for my, for my walk with the Lord was what Momo's, oh, Momo's words were formative for my walk with the Lord. And I, Isabella could probably say the same, like when I was struggling in different times, you spoke such truth and love that felt like a soft spanking, but like a redirection. And I just, I'm so grateful for you. It catapulted my walk and my faith because you were willing to be bold with truth and not just let me wallow in the season I was wallowing in. So thank you, Momo. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, yeah that's a, a, a nice, because someone asked a question that's similar, but honestly, it sounds more of the negative side effects. It says about relationships. What if it is a parent figure that is manipulative to get what they want, takes advantage and curses you when they don't get what they want. The cursing is a punishment and the parent believes the physical manifestation is from God. Good. Can you read that again? Yeah. Slowly. I know. That's That's a good one. one. What if it is a parent figure that is manipulative to get what they want, takes advantage and curses you when they don't get what they want. Mm -hmm. The cursing is a punishment and the parent believes the physical manifestation is from God. I guess that can be generalized to you know, when people feel like it's from God, but... Oh, yeah. 
Well, that, that has to be one of the most difficult situations that exists because as a child, and, and, and many, many, many people, more than we probably care to admit, have been abused by, by parental figures. Good Christian mom and dad. And, uh, yeah, and that, that child doesn't have some of the opportunity we're talking about you know, to go to someone, to process, you know, uh, to process how those things happen. I don't know how old this person is that asked that question. It could actually be any age because looking back, uh, many people have experienced that retrospectively. Um, boy, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, we pray for mercy, man. We pray for mercy and protection. And then for the adult, and may we pray for that now, for the adult who has experienced that, uh, we pray for, uh, it, it's a reworking in their mind because that can last a lifetime and often does. It can last an entire lifetime where that abuse and that oppression, uh, that person never feels. I mean, here's the love of God and, and a, a moment away, but there's something that, that, that is working contrary to that. I believe that's the enemy. Um, I'll, I'll, anybody want to pray for that or to speak to that? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just speak to that real quick and yeah. then pray. But I love, I think you brought up Ephesians 4. Yeah. Read that in the first message or maybe the second too. Um, but something in there that says, make, make, a, make allowances for each other's faults, you know? Um, I, I think a lot of times we don't do that, and, and, and that is damaging to both both sides, you know, there's got to be grace in, in the church. There's got to be grace for one another when you're coming because not, not all of us are going to um, equip, encourage, and build up perfectly, you know, and there's got to be allowances for faults. There's got to be grace in, 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 in our environment, you know. Um, but and, keep in mind, he's talking about a child, I, I assume, a child and a parent. Yeah, know. that's what I'm getting. Is that no? Is that yes? Or no? I, I, it just says a parent figure. Yeah, so. I think they're talking okay. about a spiritual okay. parent maybe or something, someone who's and so where I'm getting to is, um, you know, the word in, in you know, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is sharper than the two-edged sword, sword, right? It cuts between your soul and spirit, and it, it exposes our innermost thoughts. But then it goes on to say that we are, we are held accountable to God. And so as, as the parent, if I'm speaking to the parent, I'll just say, look, we need to be super slow in, 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 in being that person or bringing something in. That, it, that isn't from God because we're held accountable to what we're saying to other people. I'm held accountable to what I'm saying to, to this body, you know, and, and to God only, not to man, but to God. And so when, when I have that approach, then if I'm that parent, I'm going to be a lot more sensitive to how I approach this. And if I'm the person that's receiving it, you know, I'm going to take that to the Lord, you know, and find and, and, and seek it in prayer and seek wisdom on that and how to respond and, and, and bring somebody else into that conversation. Um, a lot of times when abuse happens, it's because there's only one parent present. So I want to bring somebody else into that conversation that maybe is going to speak into that, you know, from a parental um, aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, years ago, I had a woman who was part of my life who was influencing me and, um, she came over to my house and, and it seemed good. It seemed so good. She came over to my house and, um, it was in a season I was really vulnerable and she asked me a question and I literally felt my heart like, 
like she was like taking a piece of my heart and I realized that it was an unhealthy soul tie that I had voluntarily given to this woman. And and I say that because I think so often when we think about soul ties or we hear about soul ties, we think of it in a in a sexual relationship or an um, immoral relationship. But this was a friend, female friend, who was influencing me and causing discord between me and my church and discord between my husband and I. And, and it took that realization of like, oh my gosh, this is unhealthy. And the Lord exposed it. And then I had to repent. And then I had to pray. And I felt the Lord say, walk away. And he gave me permission. I didn't have to say a word to her. I just severed all emotional mm. attachment to her. And I severed mm. the soul tie yeah. and I had a freedom and there was a lot of fallout, but I, it wasn't my responsibility to clean up the fallout at that point because I felt like the Lord told me and I had to be obedient mm. for the health of my marriage, for the health of my relationship with my church. Um, and I think w- as women, we are vulnerable to other women's opinions. And I see this, Kathy, you could probably speak into this, but like women who are going through a rough spot in their marriage, if you surround yourself with women who are divorced, guess what they're going to advise you? If you surround yourself with women who are in a healthy marriage that you want that you aspire to have a marriage like, they're going to encourage you in sisterly love and affection and turn your heart back to your husband or whatever it is. You, iron sharpens iron, and we have to be willing to receive that correction, but also do a lot of introspection of, of understanding when we're being manipulated. And if that person is a spiritual parent, ask the Lord for permission to walk away and break that soul tie. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to pray for that right quick. Let's, uh, let's just pray for that because I know a lot of people have uh, some of that experience. Lord, we pray that, um, God, where uh, well-meaning parents, grandparents, even well-meaning, um, older, older people, mentors, parent figures, God, however that may uh, play out in the lives of of those of us dealing with this and, and, and listening to this now. Lord, we pray that you would, Lord, expose those things that are simply not of your spirit. And uh, Lord, even you, may you provide direct counsel for that person who's asking this question and for others who have that on their mind. Direct counsel and insight and revelation And Lord, I pray that you give them uh, the strength to move towards uh, the things that are are healthy, the things that are true and from you and from your kingdom, from your spirit. And Lord, that that person and others can be renewed. God, that those things will, that the stronghold the enemy has established through any of those awful experiences, uh, as subtle as some of them are, and as plain and flagrant as some of them are. God, we pray that you would destroy and break the stronghold of the enemy to let our hearts and souls and minds be renewed together in your truth. Thank you, Lord. May you provide uh, friendships that help, that nurture, that, that, that this person and others can ally with and Lord, where your, your people can grow and be protected. In Christ's name. Amen. You got another one, man? We got one. Well, we're getting pretty late. One more? Okay, can I, good. Can I just say one more thing? Yeah. I just want to, whoever that person is, like you have permission to pioneer a new beginning. You don't have to 
behave in that pattern as a parent in the future. Um, you Mm. get to start fresh with your children and those under your influence. And, and I just feel like God's giving you a freedom to explore what that looks like outside of the influence of that unhealthy relationship. Mm So whoever you are, if you find Bryant or me or any of us, please pull us aside and let us lay hands on and pray for you and just speak into that. Cause I know Bryant and I've had to um, work on some of those things in the past. And um, yeah, we just would love to pray with you in person if, if that's you. All right. God bless you all. We'll be back here uh, next Sunday. We'll be getting out information to you. I do want to thank uh, just regarding July 5th. Uh, I want to thank those who support and tithe to Crossroads Church. Uh, here are three ways you can do that by mail, by text. That is so funny. Uh, and online, um, God bless you for your support. Uh, thank you guys. Let's pray and, uh, and we'll go Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your word and for your truth. And, uh, Lord, thank you where you have put us, uh, in this moment of time. God, we want to watch for your will. We want to listen for your voice and God almighty, we need, your voice and your, your spirit, your counsel in our lives, in our country, in this world today. Lord, may you pour that out. Lord, let us not uh, only just simply hold on to the things we think we know, but God, may we be pliable in your hands to be transformed into your likeness, to be renewed in your truth, renewing our mind by your word and renewing our lives, God, by experience with you where your word is lived out faith and works, Lord. We want to see your kingdom advance in our heart and in this community, in our church, and uh, Lord, in this nation. We pray, God, for your people to go forward, take steps of faith, and advance in your kingdom today. May you be glorified by our lives. We pray in Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless you all. We'll see you very soon. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.